0: Welcome to Understanding Family Law with me, Benjamin Delve. And me, Connor Lynn. This is our podcast on all things related to family law. Welcome back again this week. If, um, we are looking at, a Connor... Benjamin. Change is what we're looking at. Change. And if you could think about one thing that is, like I suppose, a myth um, in family law, something that people believe uh, to be the case, but isn't so it's kind of like almost like common
1: oh, so, uh, you giving me hints common law wife
0: yeah absolutely so that's what i see as well particularly in relationships that have been going on for a long period of time Um it's uh, kind of perhaps surprisingly or never fails to shock me that people are of the view that we should have had and kind of by virtue of our relationship alone inherited some kind of rights or provisions that were protected in some way that is a subject for change um and because well what do you see um some of the challenges with that
1: marriage is probably becoming less common
0: okay yeah so
1: there's going to be a lot more uh, well a lot more debate on what should happen with various things as marriage becomes less common yeah, the more people are living to... together yeah, yeah, yeah. without so that, getting married or yeah, getting yeah. to the you know that yeah.
0: institution
1: there's going to be a lot more um contention
0: and so, if I'm not married and I um, choose to, you know, our relationship comes to an end, and and one person owns a property, mm-hmm. um, Talata. Well, no, I was thinking about, for example, if what happens, you know, do I have any protections currently to be if I'm kicked out of the house?
1: An occupation order.
0: Only if there's a risk of harm. Yeah, yeah. What if there isn't? What if our relationship's amicable and one day I just arrive home and the doors locked?
1: Not much scope there. It's not your property.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I mean, we could uh, try applying for an occupation or if there's a risk of harm. But if there isn't, then I've got a limited course of uh, action. Whereas if you are married, you um, you can apply for a notice of home rights and uh, reoccupy on that basis. And you can get protection. You can also stop the person from being able to, uh, you can apply for a restriction to be placed on the property to stop them selling or putting a new mortgage on the land. Anything else?
1: In cohabitation claims or cases, then uh, the court would look at intentions and contributions, for example, whereas in a marriage, uh, well, especially for a longer marriage, those uh, intention doesn't really matter, provided you're living in the property, but I guess contributions are even less weight in cases of a long marriage, for example. That kind of
0: thing. Yeah, and the court's going to deal with it based on needs and looking at children's needs as well. That's something I think that's interesting. Cohabitation currently, you know, apart from um, uh, kind of preventing a sale of a property where there's a child occupying the land, it's difficult to get. um, The court's not going to be looking under Trust of Land Act uh, cases, um, you know, distributing property to uh, account for children unless you make an application under schedule one you satisfy all those criteria Schedule one of the children act. so you have to kind of your roots are kind of uh, very kind of much more restricted and much less dealing with kind of um, needs generally and broadly and looking kind of the whole range and circumstances it's very much more narrowly focused so So there is Move for Change and Resolution, which is uh, kind of, I suppose, an organization of family lawyers um, is celebrating uh, kind of access to justice week uh, this week. And they are looking for change and they've uh, published today um, a vision for family justice. So basically what they're kind of like looking for in the next while so they've you know accomplished no fault divorce, um, mm-hmm. and you know they've kind of made other inroads um, into kind of a kind of progressing family justice system, and they're saying this is what we want in the future. Um, of which is the number one on their priority list is unmarried couples. The law relating to cohabiting partners on separation needs to be reformed. So they're going to be looking at things like making sure that when a cohabiting couple is separated, there is a protection uh, for occupation, I suppose, similar to kind of what we see with the notice of home rights um, for married couples. Uh, The... Also then looking at, there is an eligibility criteria indicating a committed relationship, which then gives to someone a right to apply for certain financial remedies. Kind of bringing in a situation whereby it creates a kind of uh, almost equal bar to family provisions. And one of the things does say, in fact, that the court should be able to make the same types of orders as they do currently on divorce or dissolution of a civil partnership, but on a very different and more limited basis. Uh, cohabitants should be able to apply for maintenance as well for a limited period to reflect the economic advantages or. Disadvantages caused by the relationship which could not be accommodated for other types of orders. So trying to bring it into parity with uh family, uh, kind of matrimonial law. Um I'm, got, yeah, we're screwing up your face at that. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Initial thoughts then?
1: Initial thoughts, obviously. Not not worried, yeah. but worried for some people. But presumably when it comes in, you know, these are going to be cases predominantly. Unmarried couples who've been together for a long time who get these same sort of protections as the married <laughs> married couples. Yeah, no,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean that's. I think. I think. I just think it needs to be clear. Um, I completely support it. Where in relationship, if you think about it, you got a client. I remember, uh, you know, a situation where a client had been in a long, long, long relationship and, you know, and had contributed to the property, uh, to the outgoings and things like that. And, you know, in her mind, you know, they'd invested, they'd put money, pulled money together, but there was never that kind of, there wasn't such, you know, she had to work really hard to demonstrate that there was intention. And whereas, you know, the fair, and, and her outcome was not, I think, fair, as it could have been under the matrimonial um, provisions. Yeah. Um, and so I think in those kind of spaces, it, it's, it's sometimes there is a need to move that direction. It's going to be different if you're, you know, cohabiting with someone for six months and yeah. you suddenly say, oh, we've lived together and They I need want to interest.
1: get the balance right with that as well because I'd, I'd probably wager that there are, hmm, I was going to say more cohabiting couples who haven't been together for a long time, but it doesn't really make sense. But there is more scope. The, the word They need to get the word in right, whatever, whatever legislation they sort of bring in or whatever rules they bring in.
0: You yeah, be, and uh, I mean, these things are going to take time. But yeah, I think you're sh- right. Sh- it sh- needs sh- to be, be clear, break. doesn't it? I think because it's there needs to be clarity. I and mean, there's been mentioned about three years that after a period of three years, there will be kind of that's when kind of the cutoff yeah. point will be. I, I I it's kind of like that. what if what if you're in a relationship for two years and six months or two years and eleven months. <laughs> or what if your relationship between three years and one month and then or 20 years and so i think it needs to be clearly outlined um, and set up but i think it's needed and the but the law will need careful consideration um, then also looking at um so, i mean it talks about looking at the framework in schedule one which is where you can get financial uh, kind of provision for children's specific issues um and then also death i think this one is needed death of a cohabiting partner there was a case where a couple had cohabited never got married but been together together um her partner passed away uh and she wasn't allowed any of his pension and she, she mm-hmm. had to fight for that i think she did originally did eventually get it through the courts um and that needs to change um where you you know i think that, so there is apparently so uh, the law commission has recommended um uh, a draft inheritance cohabitants bill which effectively will give um uh, Kind of cohabitees the opportunity to be able to leave uh, a pension provision and inheritance uh, to other persons That's to okay. them. There's there's, their a, there's
1: other issues as well with that, isn't there? Like, I think marriage is often, I say not not often,
0: but frequently
1: people get married for the tax benefits of uh, that you that you get from being a spouse. Isn't there like a, yeah? So that's it. So yeah, tax, the tax benefit, free yeah, three hundred and twenty-five.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so those tax that will be one of the that's actually really kind of the main thing is making sure that there is equal tax provision yeah. for cohabitees. Um I agree with that. Yeah. There you go, marriage, tax efficiency. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it's not the basis of no, no, Not the basis of a strong and healthy marriage. Um, just what are the benefits? The modern families, then, is the other thing they're looking at, which I wasn't aware of, actually, before I read the vision, um, is that they're looking at kind of making sure that, recognising that modern families doesn't necessarily just move to you've got two parents... Um, mm-hmm. so uh, where you're looking at maybe multiple parents in a relationship um, either because relationships have separated but also where we have these um relationships where um, so polyamorous relationships where there are two or more people you know three or more people in a relationship um uh, where you know where and children are kind of shared by the whole family. Also then Saris, see they, they suggest and recommend that uh, there is a change in relation to Soroski law. I think really looking at kind of saying um, that declaration of parentage kind of needs to be looked at at an earlier point. So rather than necessarily making an application, you know, should that be granted at an earlier stage or be considered and made law at an earlier stage um, and kind of uh kind of made, basically the process made smoother and more streamlined um there are other provisions uh in it um i mean it's recommended but those are the key things so this will a be better access to uh legal advice at an earlier stage other options um other than the mediation and information and assessment meeting to channel people into mediation or other alternative forms of dispute resolution and trying to kind of reduce the time that is spent in litigation or they start with the statistic that uh, private law cases, this is children, are taking 47 weeks on average to reach a final order. I have views on that myself. Uh, certainly, I think, the, you know, the we have seen um, the, the streamlining process uh, to get a case into court takes longer now. Mm. Um, uh, you know, it used to be six weeks where I typically find it takes two to three months before you can get your application into court. But... Um, yeah. But, you know, we do see more cases taking longer because, you know, uh, complex issues are raised, particularly when people are unrepresented um, <clears throat> and therefore further assistance is having to be provided. Um, so let's look and see how we can uh, stop that because it's twice as long as it took in 2016. So wow. good things hopefully coming. Um, we'll see lots of change potentially on the on, in the future. Um, so that is it. Resolution, a vision for family justice. Um if you're listening, have a look, have a read um, and let your MP know about it and, um, you know, contact them and ask them for change. Connor, what is happening in the law?
1: I have found a case, uh, again, not... Well, with, within the past couple of months. Okay.
0: Um, yeah, I have a look this week. There's nothing on, like, family no. law. We haven't got anything new on there. Uh, I haven't seen much happening this week, actually.
1: Um, forgive me for the pronunciation. Unger and another... And Ul Hassan, deceased, and another. It's a Supreme Court case, so chances are, if you are someone who is hot on new cases and commentary, you might have heard of it. Um, revolves around a husband and wife who married in 1981. The husband obtained a divorce in Pakistan in 2012, and the wife applied for financial re- relief in England on the basis that the divorce was uh, recognized as valid in England and Wales. Okay. Um, wife argued that the parties accumulated significant wealth throughout the marriage um, and in 2017 in August the wife obtained leave to bring fire proceedings for financial provision under the Matrimonial and Family Proceedings Act 1984 mm-hmm. um, however in January 2021 the husband died uh, just a few weeks before a final hearing.
0: Okay, alright. Fortuitous, um, perhaps, or yeah.
1: not. The wife then sought permission to pursue her claim for financial provision against husband's estate, but under yeah. uh, in quotes divorce legislation. Oh, but they
0: already divorced, so she didn't automatically inherit. Okay, yeah.
1: Um, so on the second of July, twenty twenty-one, Justice Mostyn refused permission to uh, allow her to pursue uh, the the claim because section one, subsection one of the Law Reform, brackets, Miscellaneous Provisions, close brackets, Act 1934, I'll call that the 1934 Act, uh, provides that subject to certain exceptions, all causes of action subsisting against a person shall survive their death and may be pursued against their estate. So that would suggest that she can. However, uh, Justice Marston felt he was bound by a court of appeal authority that said a claim for financial provision uh, under the original 1984 Act was not a cause of action under the 1934 Act. Does that make sense to you?
0: It's, yes, it does, <laughs> kind of. So uh, Summarise it for me. So, uh,
1: in essence, um, uh, a claim for financial relief does not fall under a course of action that you would be permitted to bring about against a person who was deceased. Okay. So you right. can't uh, so in terms of a divorce financial making an application for financial relief you can't do it against someone who has passed away.
0: Okay. Because so it doesn't
1: fall under the remit of that.
0: Was that where her claim came to an end then, was it?
1: Um he did say Justice Mostyn, that although he was bound by the decision he didn't agree with it and that the court of uh, appeal authority was wrongly decided. So he then granted the wife permission to make a leapfrog appeal, okay. straight to the Supreme Court. Okay. Oh, okay. so That was a lower.
0: That was a lower court decision. Yeah. I yeah. I,
1: um, I think the idea is probably that Justice Mostyn was hoping that his decision would be overturned on appeal. Yeah. It was just weird in a judge wanting their decision to be, uh, to be overturned. But because he was bound by a higher court, he couldn't do anything about it. So yeah. he said, "Go straight to the Supreme Court." Um, permission granted. Obviously, then the wife dies before it can be heard in the Supreme Court. So her daughter and son-in-law step in, they sort of substitute in as the appellants. In the Supreme Court, I read the judgment, a lot of it deals with the interpretation of clauses and wording used in legislation. Um, So the Supreme Court basically held that Parliament, when enacting laws, they are presumed to legislate in the knowledge of and having regard to judicial decisions. So in other words, when they... Uh, you know an act of statute provision which has been the subject of authoritative judicial interpretation the court will infer that parliament intended the provision to bear the meaning that the case law had already established so by that do you follow that yeah 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 so essentially if parliament are bringing about a law whereby there's been numerous case law already they will be expect the law to follow that case law okay and um, there's already been substantive case law which says that you can't make an application for financial provision against someone who is deceased. Okay. Um, so obviously in this case, yeah, applying that to this case, there's a long, long-standing principle that everything ends on death when it comes to divorce. So um, party A can't pursue a claim against party B under, quote, divorce legislation if party B has passed away. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so what the court, Supreme Court said is that when drafting the legislation... Um, there would have been an expectation that Parliament would have used express language if an order could be made on the death of one of the parties to a divorce, Mm -hmm. or sorry, to a marriage. There's an absence of such language in the uh, 1934 Act and in the 1984 Act. Uh, Therefore, the Supreme Court refused to grant permission for the wife's estate to pursue a claim. Um, If you read the judgment, the the Supreme Court... uh, does say at some points, so, or well, I say say say, well, I was going to say infer, but it does actually state that um, it doesn't think that that is a fair and just outcome. They acknowledge that the case was between two estates because the two parties had died, mm-hmm. um, but the quote is this does not lessen the injustice of dismissing the claim. Uh, The extinction of a financial order claim upon the death of either party prevents the court from making a fair division of the matrimonial assets, and the consequence is that one party's estate potentially makes an unfair gain at the expense of the others. Uh, The judgment says, quite apt actually, because you said this is, we're talking about change, Uh, so the judgment says this may be, or there may be a case for reform, but... Plainly, that is for Parliament. It's not for the courts to distort the meaning of uh, statutes to achieve such radical reform. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, so on their true construction, statutory provisions in the 1984 Act and the Matrimonial Causes Act 1973 um, create rights and obligations which can only be adjudicated between living parties. So the Supreme Court dismissed it. But basically, the judgment seemed to me to be the Supreme Court telling Parliament, have a look at this.
0: So basically, once death occurs, that is it, isn't mm-hmm. it, on the claims, mm-hmm. and there's no kind of uh, kind of recovering or continuing any dispute. Uh, and that's the case even if he were to die in this country, so so where he passed yeah, away. Yeah, so he passed away in di- Dubai. Sorry, in, I didn't yeah. did I say that earlier? No, 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 but that's okay. But the, where also the divorce took place, regardless of if he got mm-hmm. divorced in Pakistan or whether the divorce was in the UK, is just saying... Thanks, Connor. So if you want to get in touch with us, please uh, contact us by email at understandingfamilylaw@outlook.com or you can contact me on Twitter at Benjamin Delve and Connor uh, at
1: Connor Lynn LLB.
0: We'd also like to thank uh, our sponsor of this, Barry Smith Solicitors, a full-service law firm practicing, amongst other things, family law.